Gennaro Rewind, hosted by Matt Namofsky. Hello NRL fans, welcome back to the NRL Rewind podcast. I'm your host Matt Namofsky, flying solo tonight for one of the more crazy recaps I'll need to do for this season, round three, a season of crazy finishes, uh, injury toll that we'll go through at the top to just blow your mind. But what a round of footy it was. I think it really did make clear some of the teams that we did have some particular perspectives on. It really did shine a light on their possible true selves. Uh, and a lot of teams did stake a claim. But a lot of teams, and again with the injury toll we'll go through in a second, really may have missed their chance for the 2020, 2021 Premiership. So we'll go through all, all, all that, guys. Uh, hoping to have some guests back on later in the week. Got our... TLT pod as well as I'm going to have a bonus episode up this week so hopefully you guys stay tuned for that but first before we get into the game game by game just want to run through this was shared by the NRL physio on Saturday night these are the injuries from Thursday morning to now so just to give you an idea of what type of round this was Ryan Pappenhausen, Nathan Cleary, Raymond Fatalamarina, Ryan Madison, Dylan Edwards, Tom Eisenhuth, Luke Keary, Lachlan Lamb, Lindsay Collins, Victor Radley, Jack Ajeski, Michael Morgan, Bradman Best, Ben Hunt, Hudson Young. We've got Joseph Tarpany, Ryan James, Sebastian Chris, Jared Croker, Curtis Scott, Peter Hiku, Jeremy Marshall King, Sione Katoa, Mitch Moses, Wade Graham, Britton Nakora, Will Kennedy, Mike Acevo. All went down at some stage through the round with injury. Uh, it sparked up a lot of debate about a possible 18th man, which we'll touch on later uh, in our bonus episode later this week. Uh, but yeah, just obviously for straight up NRL, you know, team, a lot of reshuffling uh, that did affect a lot of the games. Obviously, from a super coach perspective, there were some big names in there and obviously some really lasting ones. Just want to really touch on the Luke Keary one to start with here. Uh, we'll talk about it more in the Roosters game, but. You know, torn ACL has been confirmed. Luke Curie gone for the season. You know, when we do make a list of the top 10 important players to a team and, you know, top 10 injuries that can change the perspective of the competition, he's right up there, you know. He's the conductor for that Rooster side. He easily could have been the player of the comp so far. And to me, that's just a huge, huge loss. So we'll talk about it a bit more. But again, just wanted to kind of give you... That's the scope we're working with this week. It was a crazy round. A lot of injuries. Uh, and, you know, again, a lot of teams had some performances that, you know, may have shocked a lot of people or wasn't really to how we know these teams. But again, uh, these injuries did play a part in it. And uh, it's something definitely to monitor. But firstly, let's get into the game. So first game of the round, it was a grand final rematch. And what a match it was. The Penrith Panthers 12 defeating the Melbourne Storm 10 at Blue Bet Stadium in Penrith. Uh, a crowd of 14,000 for this one, and what a match it was, you know. It was one of those battles that we kind of knew what it was going to be. A lot of field position battle. Uh, the forwards, you know, who was going to dominate who. The ball was stretched out wide a couple of times to see who could, you know, get that momentum. And, you know, the Panthers, minus Nathan Cleary, their lead player, got the points here, you know. Right down to the end, Kurt Capel scoring in the 78th minute. And then uh, Villiam, a kick out, stopping Justin Oldham on full time. It was a classic match, you know, and I think the Panthers, as me and Chris spoke about in the preview last week after the TLT pod, you know, the Panthers really came into this one really wanting to aim up and uh, exact some revenge for that grand final. So I think Matt Burton played a good role. You know, he didn't have an outstanding game, but, you know, his kicking game especially was on point. Uh, Jerome Luai, you know, especially when Dylan Edwards, who had a really, really good first half, went down with his broken hand. Uh, he stood up to me, you know. Again, this is, uh, you know, we're seeing progressions for certain players this season. Jerome Luai is no exception. He's one of the players that has really taken a leap. Uh, and to me, he just stood up and took this game by, by the scruff of the neck. Uh, you know, really wanted to see Melbourne um, assert a bit more, you know. But obviously, not only are they missing Ryan Pappenhausen, they're still missing Harry Grant. Um, so Melbourne, obviously not full strength. They're going to come into their own. Uh, but, you know... They were bouncing off. They were trying to bounce off a loss last week. You know, Craig Bellamy sides typically uh, really get up for a game, especially one to this size. But, you know, guys like Charlie Staines, who was able to get over for a try, it was one of those games where just you had to take your opportunities. And there was a couple of times there where Melbourne was mounting some pressure. They just really needed to 
get over the advantage line, make some of those points count, and you know, just whether the service wasn't crisp enough. To me, I think they went down to the right side a little bit too much. I think Jerome Hughes got a lot of ball this game compared to Cameron Munster. And, you know, watching the games, you see Cameron Munster being really vocal about wanting to get the ball, but the ball swings to the other side. And, you know, Jerome Hughes is a great player. But when the game's on the line, I think you just got to go over to the Munster side. You know, a lot of balls were targeted towards Brian To'o. And I guess, obviously, because of the height, they, they see that possible mismatch there. But to me... I think you'd need to go down that Charlie Stain side and really test him. You know, Adokar really didn't have a good run in more game. That was a battle, I think, in open space we really wanted to see there. But the Panthers, you know, give him credit, you know. We said that, obviously, no Nathan Cleary, no Apisai Corosau. So Mitch Kenny has, for the second week in a row, filled in very admirably in that role. You know, Atara and May coming off the bench and playing fullback, uh, a position that he is not suited to. And I do hope... Uh, when the next team list do come out with no Dylan Edwards, I hope that they do go a different route to putting Tyra May at fullback. I think it does limit what the Panthers can do attack-wise. Uh, but, you know, the Panthers, it was just one of those games that they needed to do. Uh, they're undefeated. One of the only two teams with three losses now. Melbourne falls to one and two. Uh, but this was a statement game. And that's two weeks in a row now that Melbourne have faced really stiff competition in the Parramatta Eels last week and the Penrith Panthers this week. And both teams really went at them. And in previous years, Melbourne, when they wanted to go forward through the middle, especially with Cameron Smith organizing that ruck, a lot of teams couldn't really go uh, set for set with them. But in this game, I thought the Panthers were outstanding. James Fisher-Harris had a great game. And Isaiah, you know, one of the unsung heroes of the competition, one of the better players, you know, the way he has really elevated his game, you know, just offers that, especially with no Nathan Cleary, he was able to go in there and play kind of that Victor Radley, give them shape role. Uh, I really enjoyed the way he's playing his footy. Uh, so Ivan Cleary, you know, he's got his teams rolling on the right foot. Melbourne, by no means is it time to panic. I think, you know, Ryan Pappenhausen should be back next week. Harry Grant within two weeks. Um, this is all just par for the cause, you know. They obviously, it's their first season without the great Cameron Smith. It's a very big way of how you structure your team. When you're a team that normally goes through the middle with such a ball-dominant player like a Cameron Smith into now having you know, technically your third choice hooker over the last couple of years, Brandon Smith uh, in there now, you know, there's going to be some time to work it out, you know, which side, in what set in sets do we go to? Do we go to Jerome Hughes? Do we go to Cameron Munster? You know, Nico Hines played a, an admirable game at fullback, you know, filling in for Pappenhausen, but you just got to think in some of those sweeps, if that was Pappenhausen really trying to attack that line, uh, it could have been a different result, but it wasn't. Panthers, full credit to them. I think, you know, fully deserve it of the win. Um, and yeah, you know, to me, the, the big ones in this game, obviously, the Dylan Edwards injury is huge. Uh, what are their options there? You know, they could put a Stephen Crichton or a Charlie Staines to the back. They could feel Tyron May to fill in, you know, it's looking probably four to six weeks as per the physio. So it's going to be interesting what they do. Obviously, Caleb Bacon, who was there last season, is now with Canberra. So that's that. That extra fullback in the in the ranks there, not there. Dane Laurie, who, you know, we saw what he did for the tape for the Tigers, would have been another nice option there. But, you know, they have got some options. So, uh, and especially with Nathan Cleary coming back next week, you're definitely going to ride them in to continue their great form. But again, this is, you know, it was one of those games we knew was going to be a classic. It was an instant classic, especially that finish. Viliama kick out, getting his hand on the ball there. Just no Oldham, that's two weeks in a row now. Um, with game on the line, probably not... Picked the best decision. Uh, Car was open there. Just needed to get the ball to him. Ball didn't go out. It's unfortunate, but, you know, all credit to the Panthers for really ho- holding their line there and uh, getting through it. So we'll move on to the next game. It was the first Friday game from Wind Stadium in Wollongong. The Dragons 38 defeating the Manly Seagulls 12. And this was a demolition, you know. Manly got a late try through Daly Cherry Evans to, you know, make the score somewhat respectable. This was a thrashing in every sense of the word. Zach Lomax had his hands all over this one. Really loved the way Corey Norman uh, missed, obviously, the first round when they went down since he's been back in the lineup. Two straight wins. Just offers, you know, Ben Hunt, who, again, another injury casualty. A broken leg for Ben Hunt out four to six weeks as well. Uh, But, you know, they've got good contingency plans, you know. Uh, Matt Dufty at the back looks very, very fit. You've got Corey Norman there at 5'8". Adam Clune will come into the halfback role and feel that like he did last season. I'm just liking the way the Dragons are playing at the moment. They haven't got the biggest or best pack, 
but it's a pack that's getting the job done. And when you've got a game breaker like a Dufty, even a Zach Lomax, the way he just is demanding the ball right now in the air, he's one of the best aerial targets in the game. Uh, but to me, like me and Chris said on the preview, this was all about Manly. It was really important to us to see how Manly came out there and try to get get some progress in this season and just unfortunately could not do it. Their forwards, besides Tapao, Paseca, yes, he looked good, but you know, the rest of the their back their back uh their back row is not looking great right now. Obviously, uh Josh Schuster played there. You got Jack Kajeski who's now got an injury. And uh, Jake Trevojevic, you know, without his brother there, is looking a bit lost at the moment. And a lot of people are going to put this on Daly Cherry Evans and say, you know, he should be leading this side around, but it's really, really tough for me. Dylan Walker at fullback again. To me, it was a head-scratching decision in the offseason to let a guy like Brandon Elliott go. You know, yes, he could just play reserves, and then when you need that injury cover, especially right now for a turbo injury, you know, he's a safe set of hands at the back. He knows what to do. Dylan Walker, to me, is just not a fullback. You know, he filled in for 5'8 the last couple of seasons. Center at the Rabbits. That's where I think he needs to be in the centers. Uh, but yeah, there's just... I've been waiting for Dez to kind of pull, pull the trigger to make some really big changes here. To me, it's baffling that Morgan Harper is not in this lineup yet. Uh, really keen to see him get a run here. Lachlan Croker, yes, he's done a job at hooker. But I feel like we just need to let someone else take that role on. To me, it's just a lot of questions. And, you know taking nothing away from the Dragons in this, you know, they went up there and they put a number on them. And I'm really liking the way the Dragons are going about them. When I said the the off-season preview, you know, there was a definite ceiling and a floor for this Dragons team. And some of the changes and some of the options you're starting to see, you know, Jack Bird uh, really starting to look like he's getting that match fitness back that he needs. Now, he's going to be suspended possibly for the next two weeks. Uh, he's going to the judiciary, could take an early guilty plea of one week. But, you know, if he's out, a Braden Williami can come in, a Jordan Pereira can come in. They've got some options, which I like. And, you know, this Dragons team is only, there was just under 10,000. There was 9,000 there in Wollongong. If this Dragon team starts to get some some victories in the role here, we know those Dragon fans are very vocal. They can get some big crowds there. And, you know, when you're a team that's, you know, pushing and battling for that top eight spot, the teams below you and the teams in the bottom half of the ladder, you need to beat them. And that's what the Dragons have done two weeks in a row here, Cowboys and Manly. Possibly looking at the first three rounds, two of the bottom three teams in the comp, possibly, but you've got to beat those teams, and they have done it. And you know, they're getting better and better every week. You know, that Sharks loss at the start was a bit disappointing. They lacked a bit of direction. You went to the Cowboys game. Yes, it was very, very close, but they were able to go up there and get the win. And then here, you know, a lot of people were tipping manly. There was some saying, you know, this is the game that they've got to really stand up, and the Dragons put a number to them. So that's all you can do. You've got to beat the teams ahead of you. And again, I think there's a lot of positives. There's Their four-pack isn't rolling to what a four-pack needs to roll to beat the better teams, but their game-breakers are coming in and game-breaking. And that's what you want to see. To me, Andrew McCulloch, you know, a lot of people did slander that signing. Uh, you know, obviously the age, the money, you're moving on Cameron McInnes, but he's doing a job. He's uh, solidifying their middle defense and he's getting crisp service out. You know, that's all you need. Sometimes you don't need that darting hooker Sometimes you just need a game manager or controller, and that's what he's doing. But again, to me, the thing to monitor over the next couple of weeks, I just want to keep seeing how Corey Norman plays. To me, he's going to be the next, the lead playmaker for the next month here with no Ben Hunt. So I really want to see Corey Norman continue this form and start to get a bit of a role on here. For Manly, again, spoke about it in the preview. I don't know if this is a Tom Turbo fixes everything problem. There are some glaring holes in this roster. It's a very top-heavy roster when you move past the top five in the in the player list. There's a huge drop-off. So I just I, I need to see Dez start to make some some personnel decisions here to try and you know I think some players in there really need to get put. You know a guy like Josh Alloway who came over from the Tigers, just not seeing the form and the and the movement like he did last season, and that was so huge. You know when they lost Vanua Blake. A lot of people saw that Alloy signing as, okay, here we go. You know, he's going to come in there. He's been removed. Paseca's now in there. But to me, just on that edge, you just need some good options. You know, Curtis Sirenen out. Looks like for six weeks right now. Uh, no Joel Thompson there. So you've just got to see how they're going to go and progress here. But again, really hoping that they can get on the front foot here and try and make some things happen there. Move on to the second Friday game. It was another blockbuster. The South Sydney Rabbitohs 26, 
defeating the Sydney Roosters 16 um, at Stadium Australia there at Homebush. But to me, you can't start talking about this game without the injuries. Uh, the Roosters, one of the top four premiership contenders, Going into this game, you lose Lindsay Collins, possibly one of the form props of the comp to a HIA, a very nasty looking one, so we'll see how he pulls up. Uh, Lachlan Lamb, who, you know, wanted to solidify that number seven, that uh, number six jersey, has an MCL injury, looks like it's going to be six to eight weeks on the sideline for him. And again, the big one, Luke Keary, out for the season with a torn ACL. Just, it puts such a cap on what they can do. Now, what are the Roosters going to do? They've got some options. Sam Walk, obviously, can come into the side here. Drew Hutchinson can come into the side. They can even put a Joey Manu to six and a Joey, uh, Joseph Sawali into the centers. That's an option. But, you know, Trent Robertson, I think he's the best coach in the game and he's got a very tall task here to try and get this side. You know, they they looked out of it for most of this game. The Rabbits, full credit to them. The Cody Walker, Latrell Mitchell show in this one really, really um, handled them. You know, the forwards went set for set. I thought... Jai Arrow was really, really good in this game. Again, as he has been all season off the bench. Uh, guys like Tom Burgess, uh, Kula Matangi, you know, just getting quick play the balls. And this team is at their best when they go, th- when they punch through the middle, uh, get quick play the balls. Damian Cook fires out service, and you got the Adam Reynolds, Cody Walker combination. Latrell Mitchell just taking his game to a brand new level. And obviously, through the week, there was that talk about. Uh, who's the best fullback in the game, and a lot of the South guys are pumping up Latrell Mitchell. Obviously, we all know James Tedesco is the, the premier player, the premier fullback, but I'll tell you what, Latrell Mitchell's climbing up those rankings. When you start listing the top five, you've got to start playing, placing Latrell Mitchell's name there. He played a fantastic game, and the way he's just swinging out the back and creating overlaps in his passing game is just fantastic at the moment. It's great to watch, but again, the Roosters, it's going to be so interesting to see how, how they come back here. Bits and pieces in this game, they just look like they just couldn't really compete. You know, when you're not when you're not getting that that movement through the middle, and I thought Victor Radley, who was scheduled to come back in this game, got pulled. Looks like he's going to be out until next week. It's huge, you know. When we talk about these number 13s that move the ball, and Isaac Liu is just not that player. He's more of that Josh Jackson, cut the ball up. Yes, I can throw a pass out the back, but is it as crisp and can I take it to the line, really penetrate that line and then swing the ball back out? That's not his game. So I really do think... Victor Radley will come in and make a difference here. Do you put a line through the Roosters with these injuries? Obviously, you can't with a team with Tedesco, the Morris boys. You know, there's a lot of talent there, but when you start to look at it, you know, Freddie Lussick filling in right now. They really need Sam Verrills and Jake Friend to come back. I think the dummy half service has just not been there the last two weeks. There's just some questions. For the first time in a couple of seasons, you know, a lot of teams go through this, and the Roosters haven't been one of these teams to go through it, but there's real... In very key positions, there's some real injury worries. Hooker, 5'8", halfback. You know, in the centers and the wings, you know, they have lost a couple of players. You know, a guy like Adam Kieran who came over in the offseason, injured in the first game. So we're starting to see some real problems here with the depth in this Rooster side. It's going to be a real test to see, you know, does a Takiyaho need to start playing some big minutes to cover up for some injuries, you know. Obviously, still no Boyd Corner, so you need a Sitatili Tupanua and an Angus Cryon on the edges to really be punching through and making some holes and some quick play the balls. Uh, James Tedesco tried his heart out in this game, and you know you can't fault him uh, for really trying to have a dig here. We'll just quickly bring up his stats here because you know in a losing effort, uh, a lot of people, especially fantasy wise, will look at it and go, "Oh, you know, James Tedesco didn't really do much in this game." But I thought he played a really, really good game, and. To me, it's just one of those, can he carry you to a certain point? Yeah, I think he can. Uh, but again, you know, 18 runs, 172 meters, plus a line break and a try. You know, he tried his heart out, and he's going to keep doing that. You know, like we said, there's still, you know, the Tupo, the Morris boys, Manu, your Takiyaho, the two second rowers. There's going to be some options here. Um, but in this game, you really look at it, you know, Daniel Fafidu came on and, you know, Obviously had that that professional foul that just was not needed in the context of where that game was sitting at, you know. Only played the nine minutes. Fletcher Baker didn't get on the field, so they really did. Even though they got some injuries later in the game, they just there was a there was some glaring holes, you know. Freddie Lussie not even pushing an hour out on the field, losing Lindsay Collins after forty one minutes. Just there's a lot of things in this game when you look at it and go, because the most disappointing thing for me is 
five minutes to go in that game, the Roosters were not coming back, and then Luke Keary, you know, tries to will him, to, you know, the, the the warrior that he is, tries to will him to a, a victory five minutes ago in the game, tears the ACL. So it's de- it's devastating, uh, even from a, no- a non-Roosters fan, because, you know, Luke Keary is just one of those ones. He's one of the top players in the league. We need to have all of our top players playing to get the best footy. Uh, but again, that's from the Roosters side. We'll dissect that more in TLT Tuesday when that Roosters team comes out. We can really start to digest and see where Trent Robinson sees the next season, the next part of this season going for the Roosters. But just quickly going back to the Rabbitohs here. Again, a great performance. I thought they really aimed up. Again, Latrell Mitchell is going to be the, the player who really takes this Rabbitohs team to the next level. And to me, Benji Marshall, again, didn't play much. But in a game like this, especially, you know, as we start seeing some lesser competition, they've had a very tough run at the start here, the Rabbitohs. When we start to see some lesser competitions, Cody Walker can get a rest. Adam Reynolds can get a rest. Damian Cook can get a rest. There's now some options in this in this team here to really start keeping this team fresh for a September run here. So loving what they did. You know, their edge players are going to get trials. We knew that before the season. And Cody Walker, who had a, had a quietish end to the season last year. There were some big games, but it wasn't consistent. I'm starting to see a bit more consistency, especially knowing that he's got his friend Latrell Mitchell at the back. So, a great performance from the Rabbitohs. A lot of their best players aren't having incredible games, which is what you want to see from a Wayne Bennett coach side. You want to see they're not the same players giving you the momentum all the time. It's a team effort. Different guys rock up and get you the win. So, again... Great win for the Rabbitohs. We'll see how they go moving forward. And the Roosters, again, we'll see from TLT uh, where this is going to go here. Moving on to the first Saturday game. And what a game this was. You talk about games of the round here. The New Zealand Warriors, 34, defeating the Canberra Raiders, 31 at GIO Stadium. What a game. The the Warriors coming back from 25-6 to 6 down to, to steal the win. And again... We talked about Viliama Kikau's finish on Thursday night. Roger Tuivasa-Shek with possibly the tackle of the season, uh, denying Jordan Pereira in the corner there. But this was, you know, when you start talking about injuries, uh, this was Hudson Young pulled out before the game. Within 11 minutes, the Raiders had one player left on the bench. It was just one of those games where the Raiders, short on troops, just really had to dig deep and... You know, some of the players played outstanding minutes and really held it. And, you know, Ricky Stewart, who's in a couple lot of flack for the way he handled that postgame, but I, I personally don't think at all. I think he saw his guys really put in an effort that he could be really proud of. And we'll quickly just run through so you can kind of see here. Josh Papali, uh, 70 minutes. Josh Hodgson played the 80. Elliot Whitehead played the 80. Sevilla Harvili played 67. Ryan Sutton played 73. I see a Soliel played 52. These guys that don't play minutes, and then you look at the guys that got injured. Tarpany, 10 minutes. Ryan James, 3 minutes. Sebastian Chris, 13 minutes. These are guys that were expected to play big minutes, and they didn't. And they played a full game against a very big Warriors pack. You know, a guy like... And then you look at their backs who had to come in and really help. A Jordan Rampano over 200 meters. This was just a team effort by the Raiders, but they couldn't get it done because these gritty Warriors stayed in the battle and just outworked and out really just drain the tank of these Canberra-rated players. You know, Cody Nikarima, without his running buddy Harris DeVita out there, him and Roger Tuvasa-Shek just really took over this game. In the forward pack, like I said, they just did what they needed to do. Adam Fanua-Blake is in line for buyer of the season. He just really brings a legitimacy to this Warriors forward pack. You know, the Warriors in the last 10 years have had big forward packs. They've had small forward. They've had very different iterations of their forward pack. This is one of the bigger ones when you have like a guy like Murdoch Masilla coming off the bench with uh, Lisa and Armel. Uh, but Adam just really gives that that lift of, okay, you need a big run for 15 meters, give me the ball, let me tuck it under the wing. And that's what you love to see. you got some crafty edge players like a Bailey Siren and now Alicia Katoa, Tohu doing his work through the middle. And with the Warriors, a lot of the previous seasons, you know, when you get a, an injury to a guy like a Ewan Aiken, you know, uh, you now you're bringing in lesser guys and Adam Pompey stepped straight in, and he was the one who got that last try. So it was an outstanding game. The raid, the Warriors started really hot with that Adam Fanua Blake try crashed over, but then the then the Raiders just really put the foot down. Tries in the 15th, the 21st, the 29th, the 31st minute. 
really just to establish that lead. Uh, and then, you know, when George Williams kicked that field goal right on half time to make it 25-6, obviously that now takes it out to a four-score game, and you're thinking, okay, I don't think the Warriors can come back from here. But again, this is a never-say-die outfit, and, you know, Roger Tuvas checking his last season, really lifting them. And, you know, it's only been three rounds, but I'll take a slight L here. Nathan Brown is doing some things that I didn't think Nathan Brown would do. He's sticking with some combinations. He's giving a guy like a Cody Nicarimi a real freedom, a real license to play some footy here. And I'm really liking that. A Wade Egan um, with no backup hooker is giving some very nice service throughout the game. He's play, he's turning into that 80-minute hooker that a lot of people thought he could be. Uh, so, you know, and a guy like a Tohu leading you in the middle and leaving your crafty edge players there. That's what you want to see. So again, it's a really nice team victory here from the Warriors. They're very unlucky not to be 3-0 here. They lost at the depth of the Newcastle last week. But, you know, again, if you're battling for the eight, you've got to beat the teams that are going to finish up in the... You know, you've got to finish your bottom teams. You've got to steal the ones against some top teams. And this is a, this is a steal of a victory. And when you look back, when we look back at the end of the season, we'll see how the roster sh- the ladder shakes out. But within two weeks, the Warriors have got a Titan scalp and a Raider scalp, and they look very impressive victories already. So, from as if you're a Warriors fan, you got you got to feel very very happy about this. It's a season that could have gone a lot of different ways with a Nathan Brown hiring and a Roger Tuivasa-Shek departure, but you know they've really stuck to it. Um, but again, just look going very high, high level in this game again. The outside, I thought all the outside backs had tremendous games, carting the ball and helping their forwards, especially the Raiders. Uh, you know, just some real, real performances that you, you know, uh, a Ricky Stewart can be really proud of. I was really excited to see Sebastian Chris um, really try and keep the start there. I thought he was, you know, very unlucky not to stay in the side when he got in there. Um, but again, just some real notable mentions. I just want to t- look at it from a Raider side because obviously you spoke about the Warriors. They got the they got the win here. But from the from the Raider side, just mentioning some of these numbers again. Ryan Sutton, twenty three runs for two hundred meters. Arcia Soliola, fifteen runs for one hundred and thirty six meters. Josh Papali, twenty runs for two hundred nine meters. Jordan Rapana, two twenty runs for two hundred twenty one meters. Charles Nickel Cox had twenty four runs for one hundred ninety seven meters. It's just crazy what they did. The fact that they were able to stay in that game with the reserves that they had, you just got to give props to them. And again, you know, when a guy like Joe Tarpany, who's been one of your better forwards all season, has one run for 14 metres and gets injured. When a guy like Ryan James, who's been probably the best interchange forward in the comp, two runs for 18 metres. It's just ridiculous what they did. So full credit to the Raiders. And like Ricky said, like Ricky said, he's got a winning side in that locker room. So, you know, to me, you know, Raiders fans, you took the L here, but you got nothing but pride in that in that team. So when I look again, you know, the injury injury layout, you know, hopefully Joe Tarpany does isn't a long term one same as Ryan James. They had guys that played on like a Curtis Scott, who I believe had a broken rib and Jericho with a, a dislocated finger. You know, these are guys that are gonna be there for the season and the Raiders are gonna have a real hot chance at trying to you know, the last three seasons, they've been that team that have been able to push the the Melbournes, the Panthers, the Roosters. I really want to see them break through this season. So it'll be very interesting to see how they go. We'll move on to the second Saturday game. And this was a game. We'll say that, but we'll dive into it. The Brisbane Broncos 24 defeated the Canary Bankstown Bulldogs 0. Uh, this was a... If you watched the first 60 minutes of this game, this was a bludger of a game. I think both fan bases will agree with that. Two teams that were very down on confidence, I believe. They said it a couple of times in the commentary. You could just tell this was two teams that really needed to find their mojo. And in the in the 58th minute, Jermaine Asako split through by himself and absolutely stood up Corey Allen uh, with a little double step there. Uh, and from there, they just powered on. Four tries to finish it off. Two to Xavier Coates. Um, so, yeah, the, 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 the Bulldogs... I think that's the biggest storyline coming out of here. I think we'll talk about the Broncos in a second, but the Bulldogs, two weeks in a row without a point scored. Uh, Trent Barrett, obviously, seen as one of the masterminds of the the Penrith Panthers turnaround with the attacking prowess of the Nathan Clearys and the Jerome Luais. Uh, but I think we're starting to see that this 
was never going to be the season for the Bulldogs. I always thought uh, 2022 is a season. This is a developmental year. We see what we got. Uh, and I think you're seeing what you got. I think there's some definite... This forward pack, I, I, go, I go to where he's talking about a bit in the preview. This is in the running for the top three not performing, can get outperformed forward packs in the comp. Uh, you know, guys that they really, really need to step up are Jack Hetherington, a Dylan Napa, a Corey Waddell, uh, you know, a Tone, Alpha Higgy Ogden. These are guys that they really need to power through the line to allow a Kyle Flanagan, to allow a Corey Allen onto the front foot to try and do things, you know, and they just weren't there. Jake Avrilo tried his heart out, you know. Every time the ball went his way, there was a chance that things could happen. I thought, you know, Kyle Flanagan, you know, he needs that he needs that base of a rolling forward pack and, you know, getting getting onto that front foot. Uh, but it just was, was not there tonight. And, you know, there's I think there's, you know, it's only three rounds. We can't, we can't really, you know, start pushing buttons to panic, but there's definite cause for concern. And I think Trent Barrett really needs to look at this team and start working out a way because, you know, a guy like Corellan was a very high off-season recruit for them, has not been able to get into the game at all attack-wise for the Bulldogs. Uh, we, need a, we need to try and unlock him. Again, Jake Avrilo has been trying to... I think the halves are not the problem here. Uh, and again, some injuries now. You know, you've got a Jeremy Marshall King who's suffered a broken foot. So it looks like he's going to be gone uh, six to eight weeks as per the physio. So, you know, you have got a Sione Katoa there. Uh, Bradley Dietz really tore it up in the reserve grade, but there is an exemption rule that he can't play to around 10. So they'll probably try and... Uh, Fix that so you can try and break into this side because they really need some spark around that dummy half uh, to try and get the roll on. And, you know, Luke Thompson, who I believe is back round five uh, from his suspension, that can't come soon enough because that is a big forward that they need to start rolling on. But to me, you know, Fatala uh, Mariner, it was a huge loss. You know, they announced throughout the week he's got a broken foot, but it's a real bad one. He's going to be... Uh, out looks like 16 to 20 weeks. So basically, the season done for Fatala Mariner. Uh, so there's not a lot of not a lot of options for Trent Barrett to really turn this around, which is unfortunate because, you know, again, this was not going to be the year, but this is a year that they really need to start working out who's who. Uh, you know, Tui Kator on the on the wing had a game to forget a couple of drop balls that allowed Brisbane some attacking opportunities. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens here, you know. Uh, Dallin Valentin Selesniak will come in and fill in that wing spot that should uh, shore that up a little bit. But, you know, um, it's almost, you know, do we start seeing Will Hopawadi at fullback to bring Corey Allen maybe into the centres or the wing? Uh, do we start seeing, you know, some tinkering and bringing some young fours to see what you've got there? It's going to be interesting. But we'll move on to the Broncos because I guess Bronco fans, uh, it's a win that you can be proud of. There was a real stage in that in that game where Brody Croft was throwing some bad balls and, you know, balls were going on the ground. The fifth tackle options weren't there. Uh, there was a real chance that that game could have been lost. And, you know, you saw it on Kevin Walters. You saw it on some of the players. Jermaine Asako, I was saying, you know, they need to have an upgrade at fullback. And I still think uh, a long-term option there is needed. But Jermaine Asako showed that, He's a quality player. He just needs to be on the field when his head's right, and when he's get when his game is going, he's one one of the better players on this Brisbane roster. He was a game changer. He's the reason they won this game. And you know, Xavier Coates got the double. To me, the best young winger in the game. Uh, spoke highly of his praises in the preseason, um, and obviously Tommy Dearden got that try when he came on. I just really, really want to see Tom Dearden partner Anthony Milford in the half for an extended run here. Anthony Milford. Yes, didn't have the best game attacking-wise, but his bombs, you know, Tom Dearden can be the conductor, let me organize and get the plays. Milford can do the kicks, and, you know, those spiral bombs, you know, they're outstanding. So th there's options here, you know, Jake Jake Turpin, you know, still looks an option out of, out of, out of dummy half. And this forward pack, you're getting Payne Haas, he's going to be back next week. This is... You know, the, the, the signs are there, you know. Tavita Pengai Jr. is having a great stretch of footy here. Alex Glenn locking one of those edges down. Pat Carrigan is, you know, carting the ball up. You know, there, there's options here, which I love. Uh, John Asiara wasn't even in the 17. So, again, this is, a, this is a Brisbane side that 
before the season, it was going to be an improved side, not, you know, we weren't going to push the eight, but we needed to see some improvements. And this was a game, I believe, you know, we saw, if this was end of last year, they were not winning this game. The Bulldogs would keep coming and coming and eventually got it. But this was, you know, and you saw, once they got that first try, they really started to, to really fuel the energy there. Because this, you know, Herbie Farnworth, uh, when the ball went to he went to him, you know, game wrecking. You know, get getting the ball out there, getting his one on one stand ups. The Bronco play is all about confidence, and to me, it's all about this four pack needs to roll. Get some early ball to some of your strike players. You know, Tessie New was a bit quiet this week, but you know, he was the, he was the the guy last week. Herbie Farnworth this week. This is what you need, and again, this is. It's positive signs, you know. Yes, the first... If you throw out the first 60 minutes of this game and look at the last 20, that's all I would get Kevy to do this week is really empower his guys and say, look at these last 20 minutes of how you finished this game. You finished this team off. You did not let up. You got that first try, and then you went and you went, and you capitalized on errors from the Bulldogs. And again, I've said it, and I'll keep saying it. You've got to beat the teams that you need to beat. And this was a, this was a clear line in the sand game for both of these teams. Brisbane got the win. The Bulldogs did not get the win. So it's as simple as that. Happy for the Broncos. They got it up. I think, you know, the next stretch of games they got here is going to be really important to try and keep going. I'm really hoping Kevy doesn't stick and just play loyalty to Brody Croft. He's not the reason they hit, they won this game. Uh, but we'll, we'll see what happens there. For the Bulldogs, again, look, it's three games in. It's not panic stations. But it's, it's time to start, I think Trent Barrett really needs to start looking at this team and say, who is in my 2022 side? Because I think he's now, you know, you don't want to throw a season away, but I think you really need to start thinking about, is this player going to be here? Do I need to develop this player? And what do I need to do here? We move on to the last Saturday game. It was my Parramatta Eels getting up 28-4 to against the Sharks. Uh, another game that was just ravaged by injuries, the Sharks having no one on the bench for the second half. As a Parramatta fan, I'm very happy we got the win. We finished off the game. It was a lot closer than I wanted it to be. Uh, Parramatta, obviously, Mitch Moses going down with his HIA. Looked like he also had some calf troubles as well, uh, which is a bit worrisome. But again, needed to get the job done. They got the job done here. So from our Sharks, I will go the Sharks first. Obviously, Sione Katoa uh, hurting his knee. Looks like an MCL injury for him. So obviously I have scans. We'll see how long that's going to be. We'll talk about that in the TLT pod. Uh, both of their starting edge players, Britton Nakora and Wade Graham, both failing HIAs. Britton Nakora also possibly looking at a suspension from the judiciary. And Will Kennedy, who was having a great game, one of the unsung heroes for the Sharks in the first three rounds, uh, went off with a HIA as well. So, you know, a lot of key players, obviously no Sean Johnson still in this team. A lot of key players who went down in this game. But they put up a great effort, the Sharks. I thought, again, you look at players have big minutes like an Aaron Woods and Aidan Tolman. These guys, you know, weren't really... Billy Magulius weren't scheduled to play lots of minutes, but obviously got through the work. Uh, and I'm totally wrong about the Sharks. Uh, you know, they they beat the Dragons in round one. They barely lost to the, to the Raiders in round two. They stuck with Parramatta. For the first 70 minutes in this one with only 13 men. This is a side that is not Sean Johnson or Bust. This is a side they're well coached. They're well well prepared. Great fitness. And they've got some players. So I'm really excited. I'm really hoping Sean Johnson when he comes back. It looks like about round 8 for a Sean Johnson return at the moment. Uh, I'm really hoping to see what they do. Because if they can, you know, steal a couple more. If they can get to round 8, you know, 4 and 4, 3 and 5 there's a chance that they can go on a bit of a run in the second half of the season. So I'm really looking forward to seeing what they can do. Another guy who I thought had a really good game was Josh Dugan. Uh, again, didn't do too much in attack, but in terms of defense, had some real stops on Mike Acevo. Uh, you know, starting in the centers, had to shift to a wing. To me, he was he was outstanding. So again, you talk about these teams that got a loss, but... You know, there were some positives, some real positive season positives come out of this. And I thought the Sharks, again, was one of them. You know, you're seeing on the bench, you know, jo- John Morris and Josh Hannay sitting on the bench. You know, that's all that was on the bench. There was no one else. So they, they really fought through. And for Parramatta, again, no Mitch Moses for half the game. It was a strange one. I really thought they would put the, put the, uh, the foot on the throat to really try and get this game out of reach. 
didn't really do until fatigue really set in at the end of the game. Uh, it was an interesting game for Dylan Brown. I really, I kind of really looked into the Dylan Brown in this game to see how he could go. Um, you know, he's been a little bit more quiet compared to Mitch Moses. He's been doing a lot of ball running, but not much organizing and playmaking. Uh, and when Mitch Moses went down, I thought this was going to be the, now we see the true, I'm the true playmaker number one in this team. It actually did not go that way. So a lot of the board did fit, funnel through Gutho and Will Smith, who had a great game off the bench in replacing Mitch Moses. Uh, but again, you know, solid in defense, Dylan Brown, you know, took his hit-ups, you know, play, got the ball to where he needed to go, but didn't really stand up like I thought it would. So I'm still waiting for that game for Dylan Brown, but Clint Gutherson, the heart and soul of his team, the captain, a great game again. You know, he bobs up all over the field. He's so safe under the high ball. His positioning as a fullback is one of the better ones in the comp, but he just gets his hands on the ball and, you know, those those nice shifts out wide. You know, a Murata Kore who set up the first try for Ferguson, you know, he got caught out once in defense, but the rest of it, he was so solid. Really enjoying seeing that edge of uh, near Corey and Ferguson. Obviously, defensively, a little bit more sound than the Wonga Blake side. Uh, so I really like what I saw there. The forward pack did their job. Uh, really aimed up and, you know, took the energy out of the shark side as the game went on. Uh, but again, this was, as a para fan, I'm happy we got the two points, but I can't really judge what I think happened. Uh, because again, you're versing a team with 13, some very, very key players not in that side. You beat who's in front of you, which again, they're only one of two teams, including the Panthers, who are undefeated, 3-0. Three and three and oh. So you love to see that. You, you get the win where you need to get the win, but again, I'm not taking too much stock out of this as a Parramatta fan. There's still some things I want to see tidied up. I want to see Mitch Moses, how he pulls up. I want to see Dylan Brown a little bit more attacking, and I want to see... Especially, you know, this was a good game for Sean Lane. I've been very, very vocal on the Sean Lane. Made lose his starting spot. Uh, but he, he did stand up. And, you know, no Ryan Madison. Papali'i came in there, obviously playing on an edge. You have a bit more different impact than playing through the middle. Uh, so I do really want to see Maddo come back hopefully next week and near Corey move back into the front row rotation. But again, they did the job that they needed to do. The Sharkies, a valiant effort. You know, bat- battled through... Fatigue obviously set in at the end, but this is a game that both both uh, fan bases and locker rooms can really look at and go, okay, there's things to build on from here. So it was a good game. Uh, as a paraphrase, I'm not getting carried away with a 3-0. No, I'm not going on a ticket to Yik to buy the, the grand final tickets, uh, but it, it's good signs. You know, there was, a, there was a lot of questions I had before the season that have started to get answered. Uh, so it, it's good signs, especially considering the first half of that Broncos game in round one. It's a different team here, so we'll monitor the injuries, and we'll see we'll see what happens there. Moving on to the first Sunday game, the West Tigers getting up twenty four over the Newcastle Knights twenty at McDonald Doe Stadium in Newcastle, and this was ah oh, this was I was watching it with my Newcastle mate uh, Richard, and he was just not not enjoying this. You know, the the Tigers, you know, thumped in the first two rounds. Really had no business being uh, in the lead for most of this game. Newcastle with so many errors in this game, it was it was crazy the way that they were just throwing the ball around and you know the and the fact that they just couldn't really keep up and do what they needed to do. You know when you look at the uh, quickly come down here to the errors, there was something like sixteen errors. I think it was. It was it was crazy. Eighteen errors. 18 errors, so to me, you're just not, you're obviously not going to win a game doing that. Um, you know, both teams, you know, 30 tack- 27 missed tackles for the Tigers, 30 tackles for the Knights. It was a, it was a sloppy game of footy. Uh, the Tigers, credit to them. I think Adam Dewey did stand up and have a great game here, as did Luke Brooks. You know, a couple of defensive misses for Brooks, but in terms of attack, got them around the park where they needed to go, especially when they got the lead. They did maintain it. But then you saw the onslaught, you know. Uh, I thought Connor Watson, it's baffling to me why he's not starting the game. I like Sawaso Sue, but I like him as a middle forward coming off as on a rotation. Connor Watson just offers so much speed and versatility around that middle of the field, and you really did see it when he came on and put Mitch Pierce over for that try. He was the one that linked across field uh, and hit Tex Hoy uh, on the hole. You know, th- those are the type of things you need. And again, the Knights, if this is a team that's going to be pushing for the top eight, the top four, like a lot of people do think, they should not be losing to the West Tigers. Uh, Tex Hoyer had his best game. 
Uh, but to me, yes, you never want to overcome the errors. There's some really interesting choices. Uh, there were some short balls from Kurt Mann that Mitch Barnett put over, uh, put down that you know had no, there was no need to pass those balls. Uh, the fifth tackle options to me, Ridgey was the one who first pointed out to me probably a year and a half ago. Just told me, you know, look at Kurt Mann and Mitch Moses when they're inside the attacking twenty. Uh, the the options and they're not good options. There were so many times where the ball tried to get run, a pass across the face of the, of the try line, you know. Just a stab into the end goal, get the repeat set, a, a kick up on the try line, let someone try and make a play. It just was not there. That there was chances, and obviously they did snatch the lead in the 78th minute and relinquished it four minutes later. This was a game that the Newcastle Knights should have won. And if you're a Knights fan, you just have to be kicking yourself because there was a there was a big crowd up there in Newcastle. The crowd was ready for a red hot performance to go three and zero. And they just laid an egg. As simple as that. They You're not going to win a game with 18 handling errors. So the Knights need to go back to the drawing board here. They're not going to make mass changes. They've got Kalen Pong coming back. It looks like in two weeks. It looks like he's out for an additional week. Blake Green should be back in two to three weeks. Edric Lee back next week. You know, guys that made some key errors here. Shibasaki in a full strength team won't make this side. So, you know, Edric Lee should come in. Dominic Young, you know, one of the highly touted juniors had an okay game there were some there were some errors there were some some errors in defense that where the rush out shouldn't wasn't needed uh so look they're going to improve um jacob saifidi went down during this game hopefully just a a bone bruise hopefully not a fracture to the leg so he's another guy who will come through that forward rotation and really set it up so again it's not it's not by no means uh one way you say okay you're a pretender but it's one that you really Need a Nadal and Brian needs to get this team to relook at this film and go. You know, you just can't make errors. You know, eighteen errors, you're not going to win. As simple as that. But going back to the Tiger side again, we spoke about it. Adam Dewey, Luke Brooks did well. I thought again, Jacob Little got uh, pulled, uh, had a little stint on the sideline, but again, he gives good service out on behalf in the middle of the field. He's very solid defensively. He's the number nine. Uh, to me, leave him out there. Let him play there. He can he can play the eighty. Let him play the eighty and see what you got there. The edge players I thought had good game state. North Luma was really strong, carting the ball out of his own end. That was lacking the first two weeks. I thought he really showed up. But Dane Laurie, to me, my God, this is gonna be when we look back. You know, Paul Momorowski's a good player and gone straight into this Panther side and made a difference. But wow, this Dane Laurie has a chance. You know, he's only played a couple of games, but when we talk about you know, one of the pods we're going to do in the next couple of weeks is the, I guess, the most un, the most untouchable assets in the league under a certain age. You know, who do, which team who, on their roster do they want to build around? Dane Laurie is in the top five in the NRL to me. He's just, the way, the, the, the play today when he went up to catch the bomb, went down in the same motion as he landed, was able to take two steps, get a step on and make 20 meters. Like, that's just class. And it's something that the Tigers haven't really had the last couple of seasons. It's really, you know, when you look around and say, and another another podcast we'll do is, you know, looking at each roster and ranking the rosters in terms of what what do you want for the next five to ten years? Um, you know, next five years to see, you know, current players on the roster, the movement there. The, the Tigers, as much as I don't like their roster right now, within two years, they can reform this whole club into a really exciting team, you know, you've got a Dane Laurie, you've got a North Luma, you've got a Tommy Talao, you know, if you keep Adam Dewey, you've got Jacob Little, you know, you've got a Stefano, you've got, you know, there's there's options here now, which has not always been the case for these Tigers, or there's young, exciting options, so this was a this was one, you know, I pegged them for the spoonful of the season, I was feeling very confident in that the first two weeks, but a game like this, with, I know the, the Knights played really bad, 18 errors, but this is a game similar to the Bulldogs. When that when that game was in the balance, you needed it to win. And that's what the Tigers did today. So, you know, it gives me a lot of confidence that, you know, this isn't a lost season for the Tigers. There, there are some things in this in this uh, lineup that to really look forward to. So, it was a very impressive win. I thought their forwards weren't fantastic. Uh, you know, Alex Twile played well. I thought Stefano was on the field, played really well. You know, a McKaylee, a Luciano didn't play their best games today. Luke Garner, by all means, did not play a great game. 
But, you know, the halves did what they needed to do. I think they really picked up on the errors. Um, you know, they did see that Shibasaki and uh, Tex Hoy under the high ball weren't great. A lot of high balls. That's what you want to do. When their confidence is down, kicking into the corners, making it work it out from that side. That's what you want to do. So it was a smart it was a smart game from the Tigers. It was a couple of instances, obviously. You know, when Mitch Pierce scored that the the first try there to make the comeback on, then Adam Dew kicks out on the full. Obviously that's that's brain explosion stuff, but there was at least they were able to fight through that and really come through and make it count. So really happy for the Tiger fans. It was a lean first two weeks. I was feeling really cocky about my wooden spoon pick. Uh, I still think they're going to be around there, but you know if they have a couple more performances like this, and again, I'll keep harping on it. You got to beat who you got to beat. You got to nab the whinging went that with the higher competition that you need a nab. This was definitely one when we look back. Depending on where the Knights finish up, this might be a turning point to go. Okay, yep, they beat they beat the Knights. So great win. For the Knights and Knights fans, yes, rue this one. This was one that shouldn't have, shouldn't have got to the way it did. It's happened. Hopefully, this is a wake-up call for some of these guys to really turn their season around and really turn their... Like, you know, to me, Tex Hoy is obviously going to have one or two more games. This is something that he really needed to kind of stake his claim to try and push that 14 jersey. I don't, I don't see it right now. Jaden Braley is still having a great season. I thought he had a tremendous game again today. Cracked the 50-tackle mark. Was really... And Jenik out of dummy half. But again, a Kurt man when Blake Green comes in the side. Shibasaki, there's guys in this team that really need to try and step up and try and nail down a spot. And this was a game they could have really made a statement in. It didn't happen. So you just got to go back to the drawing board and go back next week. Uh, but again, Tiger fans, congratulations. Knights fans, again, they'll be next week. And we'll move on to the final game of the round. The North Queensland Cowboys, 8, were defeated or smashed by the Gold Coast Titans, 44. And this was, to me, if I'm, you know, there was, there was some hope in the Tigers' performance. To me, the, the Cowboys here, just, I'm concerned. Obviously, Todd Payton came in there, a lot of hype around the new coach. I had them pegged for 15th before the season started. And it's starting to really bring itself out here. Michael Morgan, the news, potentially needing to medically retire as early as next week. The shoulder has just not lasted. Uh, that's an absolute shame, and I'm sure we'll talk about that more next week when we get some more news here. Uh, they did do what we wanted to do, but I think we all wanted Valentine Holmes to full back Scott Drinkwater into the halves. So that looks like it's going to be a, a full-time basis now. But, yeah, the outside backs, the forward pack, the dummy half play, even the half play. There's just so many questions. And to me, this is not as simple as play out this season and, you know, see who's there for next season. This is a couple of years to try and really rebuild this Cowboy side. This is a... There's not many times in the NRL era where it's going to be a really harsh rebuild where it could take a three to four year rebuild. I kind of see that for the Cowboys here. I, I don't know how... You know, a lot of their players that came through in their in their ranks the last, you know, three, four seasons they had they had high hopes on, like a Javid Bowen, obviously you let Kalen Ponga go, uh, you know, even a guy like a Francis Molo who, you know, could have been seen as a centerpiece moving down to the Dragons next year. Tom Malolo now with the Todd Payton possibly restricted minutes. Reese Robson, who you brought up from the Dragons, has not, you know, fulfilled his potential. Clifford's moving on to the Knights. There's just a lot of you know, there's a lot of question marks. And we'll talk about the Titans in a, in a bit here, but they did what they needed to do here. A team that's a bottom three team, you needed to put a number on. Like the Dragons did to the Manly, the Titans, he did to the Cowboys. For the Cowboys, when, they, when they're in attack, you know, I was saying it to my mates as we were watching the last 20 minutes of this game, especially, we were kind of really was floating in and out for the first bit of it, but we really just, I really wanted to see before the pod to see 20, a really 20 minute sample size, especially when they're down to see how they play, and to me, when they forwards cut the ball forward, I have I'm I have no worry from the opposition. If one of the halves touches the ball and you know tries to go out wide, I have no I have no worries about it. Val has some nice touches out the back. When Valentine home touches the ball, I do think things could happen if they're in the right field position. When the outside guys touch the ball, you know I just don't I just there's no there's nothing about this Cowboys team, and I'd love to hear from a Cowboys fan. Unfortunately, I don't have. 
one in my in my inner circle here, but I just I just struggle to see if you're a Cowboys fan, where, where's the how do we turn this around? Who who's coming into this side or what positional changes do you make here? Because you just look at it, you know, okay, you got three hooking options. You got Ruben Cotter, you got Jake Ramble, you got uh, Reese Robson. All of them okay, I get it. You look at their edge players, you, you know, Fido, Tuolagi, Isan Masters, Kyle Felt, Justin O'Neill. Okay, who's winning me a game? You know, you look at the halves, you know, you're down to Scotty Drinkwater and Jay Clifford. Okay, game on the line, am I worried about one of them? In the forward pack, if I need to get a big 20-meter run, if I'm trapped in my own 20-meter line fourth tackle, you know, is a Josh Maguire, a Jordan McLean, a Mitch Dunn, a Cohen Hess... Is one of those guys cutting the ball out 20 meters in the, you know, and going to really strike me or they do a crush pound on the line? Is someone going to carry them 10 meters over into the try line? I just don't see it. So, again, Todd Payton came in with uh, with all the wraps, as he should have. You know, it was a great finish to the season for the, for the Warriors. But I always thought this was a rebuild. I didn't see this being coming, instantly pushed to the top eight. I don't, I don't even see next year a chance to really turn around as much, you know. Michael Morgan, if he medically retires, okay, that's near a million in the cap. Now we're starting to talk about who's off-season next season that we can bring into the side and really, you know, come in. But, you know, okay, let's say we get two good players out of that out of that Michael Morgan retirement. Which two positions do you feel? Because like I just said to you, you have so many holes. Do you go get an impact forward? Do you go get a dummy half? Do you get a half? Do you get uh, exciting center? There's just so many holes. There's so so much barren holes and talent in this team. So again, Cowboys fans, hit me up because I'd love to have one of you on the pod to really talk through and get, get a perspective. Because when I do do my rankings of next five years, which team do I want versus least? Unfortunately, this is this might be one of the bottom two to me. It's just it's barren. So I'm hoping they can turn it around. Again, this was at home. This was at Country Bank Stadium in Townsville. There was a decent crowd in there. You know, I really wanted them to try and sneak a victory, but even look good in defeat. And unfortunately, not neither of those happened. So move on to the Titans side because Titans fans, you know, you lost in round one. You know, it was a weird game. First game of the season. You come back in round two. You know, you break the game open just before halftime. And you really go on with it. In this game, you do the same thing here. This was from the start. You jumped the Cowboys. You didn't let them back in. And this was this was a this was a thumping in every sense of the word. I thought Jamal Fogarty in this game was huge. No Ash Taylor. There were some questions around it. You know how how is he going to go? Uh, but he he really laid a really good uh, attacking platform here. You know Tanner Boyd came in. Didn't have to do much. Uh, Tanner Boyd. Uh, to me, just had to come in. He just needs to fill his role here for the next couple of weeks, um, but he doesn't need to do anything crazy. This is the Jamal Fogarty show. This is AJ Brimson, who's had a quiet first two games, really come back into his own here. Uh, but the forward pack, the Titans forward pack, is re- we said before the season this was going to be one of the real strengths of this team. And if you look at the the run meters here, just quickly, Florida Waker, 14 for 158. Dave Fafita, 16 for 178. Tino, uh, 18 for 179. Jamin Jolliffe, 12 for 136. These are just really, really, you know, laying a platform for your outside backs to perform. And, you know, when you start getting those type of performances there, uh, it really does make a difference. You know, guys cutting the ball from out from out the back. Corey, Corey Thompson, 16 for 134. Phil Sammy, 12 for 125. Love it. Love what the option is there. To me, I think Phil Sammy shown in the last two weeks when uh, Brian Kelly comes back into this side, I think Anthony Dodd makes way for Phil Summey onto the, onto the wing. Uh, you're starting to see this is going to be a really good side as we move into the back end of the season. Uh, it's going to be a really, really tough side to play that can attack you from a lot of different ways. You, they can go through the middle with their props, you know, their Wallace, Fodawaker, uh, Lasone. Uh, you know, there's there's options there. Go out wide, Proctor, uh, push Tino a little bit wider for feeder. And then, you know, spread the ball wide. You know, you got your Phil Sammy, you got your Herbert, you got your Thompson. AJ through the middle with Fogarty. 
Really love what the Titans are building here. Again, the number nine, you know, Mitch Rain plays the first bit, then Aaron Clark comes in. Don't mind that. It's only going to, it's not going to hurt you like I thought it would in the first, uh, in the preseason. It's going to get, it's going to get the job done. Uh, but this is just a, it's a, when this is to me, this is going to be the biggest confidence side in, in the league. When the Titans are really up, and they're feeling it. You know, David Feeder's busting tackles, Tino's busting tackles, and then you get your guys like Corey Thompson sneaking around, Brimson sneaking around. This is going to be a quality side. Uh, so again, you know, a tough up, a tough first game up front. You know, when we look back in every season, there's always one of those in the first two, three rounds where you kind of look and go, hmm. And at the end of the season, you kind of go, hmm. That that game at the start of the season, that doesn't look like it did like I thought it would. And to me, this is a leading candidate. When we look at the Titans uh, losing to the Warriors in round one in the convincing fashion that they did, I think we're going to look back around round 20 and go, okay, that was the outlier. So, look, it always happens every year, and I think this is going to be the one because that Titan, you know, a lot of people were ringing the alarm bell after that Titans loss, uh, but they've come back here and they're really on two sides, the, the other two Queensland sides, They've made some huge statements, not only in the state of Queensland, but for the NRL. I think this is going to be, I really want to see them up against a real quality side uh, to see where, where they are actually at. Uh, but again, you beat the teams that's in front of you, you beat the teams that you need to beat, and they did that, you know. So if you're a Titans fan, it's it's one of the more impressive victories that you've got in the last couple of, last couple of seasons. And you know, next Saturday, Titans hosting the Raiders. It's a perfect opportunity for the, for the Titans to see exactly where they are. Uh, so really looking forward to that. And again, uh, the Cowboys, we'll, we'll see how they go. Um, to me, it's going to be very interesting. We'll quickly see. they got the Sharks next week. Um, that's, a, that's at the Sunshine Coast. It's going to be very interesting to see what happens there. Uh, they'll start big outsiders. But again, that's a team, a lot of injuries potentially on that Sharks team. The Cowboys need to start getting off the ground here because if they don't, it's going to be very interesting. And that will do it for the round three review, guys. Thanks for listening. Uh, really enjoyed having the guys on the last couple of weeks, so we'll try and get them on. Obviously, couldn't get anyone on tonight, but I just wanted to get a pod out. Uh, I thought it was one of the more fascinating rounds, obviously. A lot of talk about the 18th man. A lot of talk about the tri-savers and some of the performances of the round. Um, but we'll, we'll go over it a bit more, obviously in our TLT, uh, that's where we're going to really start looking at some injuries and suspension news. Uh, I think there'll be some real interesting lineups, uh, you know, really looking at the Raiders, the Roosters, the Sharks to kind of see, uh, where they're at in terms of some of their players and some of the, you know, you're going to start seeing some players, you know, you're going to start seeing some Sam Walker soon, some Joseph Swali potentially soon. So it's interesting, you know, this week was the, the round of some real, uh, some real close battles, but next week, just quickly running through the the draw here, you know, you've got the Panthers at a dollar seven versus the Manly Seagulls at eight dollars. You got the South Sydney Rabbitohs a dollar seven versus the Kenny Bankstown Bulldogs eight dollars. You got the Melbourne Storm a dollar seven versus the Brisbane Broncos eight dollars. You know, there's some those first three games, and you keep looking down. You know, you've got. The Titans, the Raiders, that can be close. The Knights, the Dragons, that can be close. The Roosters, the Warriors, with all the Rooster injuries, that could be close. And then obviously Para and Tigers on Easter Monday. That always seems to be a be a hard one to watch for the Eels fans. So those first three games, there is some real potential to get ugly for some teams here. The Broncos, uh, the the Cowboys, the Bulldogs, the Manly Seagulls, the bottom four right now. There's some real cause for concern. So. You know, it's going to be very interesting to see. You know, those coaches got a lot to work, a lot to do in the in the week to make that happen. But again, we'll see on TLT. A lot of lot of changes. Uh, we're going to do a, a dedicated super coach pod as well this week. Uh, every three weeks on completion of the round, I kind of just want to take stock of where we are fantasy wise, who's in, who's out, who's hot, who's not. Uh, really get get a platform. You know, there were some real injury affected scores this week. You know, it looks like. If you cracked a thousand, that was a good round. One one looks like to be a really good score. So uh, again, we'll talk through that. I kind of want to blend the our preview and our review pods a little bit 50-50 on the super coach and the and the NRL normal side just to give a bit of 
variety, but I think, you know, every three weeks we will do a dedicated Supercoach pod uh, just to kind of, you know, reassess, you know, three games is a decent sample size, you know, in a 25-round comp, you can kind of break them up into little subsections of, of the season, so that's what we'll do. We'll come back to you on Tuesday, on Tuesday night, we'll record a pod after TLT, and then we might sneak one in maybe Thursday or Friday uh, for a Supercoach one before the, before the round kicks off, so uh, we can share our thoughts there. But thanks for listening, guys. I've been rambling on for over an hour here, so... Thanks for listening, guys. Again, you guys are doing tremendous work. Please go. Uh, we are getting some more likes on the pages, which is fantastic. So at the NRL Rewind on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, so thanks for listening, guys. Uh, we'll hear you back later this week. Have a great day, and we'll talk to you soon. Cheers.